Motherhood is hard, isn't it? That's why I'm so glad you're here to join the conversation. Welcome to the Mom Life Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Trier, and here we talk about mindset, mental health, protecting our peace, and working to cultivate habits in our day-to-day that help us feel our best from the inside out. In today's episode, I had the privilege of interviewing Jody Schilling. Jody is a mom of four neurodiverse kids, and she's an LCS certified life coach. In her work, she shows moms how family relationships can be strengthened through crisis after experiencing this in her own family. Jody holds a master's in education, and she's also a behavior specialist in schools. She brings her expertise to her podcast as host of the weekly show, The Good Mom Podcast. I can't wait for you to tune into this one. We unpack a lot. Let's get started. All right, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of the Mom Life Mindset Podcast. I am here with Jody Schilling, and I am so excited for this interview. I am so excited to dive in, hear more of your story, Jody, and talk a little bit about just all kinds of important things we need to be talking through as mamas and as women and as parents yes. and so much more. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. So glad to be here. I Absolutely. Yeah, I can just say my the short version, I guess, of my my background and story is that I wanted to be a teacher from the time I was young. And so then I did that. I was a kindergarten first and second grade teacher and then a teacher coach. And I was in I'm still in education at this time, but I'm also a mom of four. And in both of my roles, both in education and as a mom, I have had a special interest in kids who need a little extra support. And so I think God kind of puts you where you need to be when, (laughs) when I look at my, the pattern of my life, I see that when I was a teacher, the kids who struggled the most, either emotionally, behaviorally, or with their learning were the kids that I seem to do best with and seem to have a different approach with than what the traditional classroom training teacher, you know, strategies were telling me to do. And then with my own kids, I couldn't have four kids who were more different in terms of their skills and their personalities and their learning profiles and their behaviors for sure. And so what I'm doing now is I'm doing still some work with behaviors. I'm a behavior specialist in schools and I work with the kids who are what we call at the highest level tier three needs for behavior. And then with my own kids who are grown now, they're in their early twenties. I have experience with autism spectrum and mood disorders and borderline personality and debilitating anxiety. Mm-hmm. So I have over those years, <laughs> both professionally and personally as a mom, I have developed a, an approach to understanding behavior and responding to behavior that has allowed me to, I think, provide a safe environment for kids to be able to express their needs. And we also, as a family, have been able to have healthy relationships. And it's not the traditional path that 
you're taught as both as a parent and as a teacher with behavior. So that's what I'm doing now to help moms. So I'm a coach for moms and I have a podcast called the good mom podcast where I share a lot of the things that have worked and I offer tips and strategies and I'm looking at writing a book on this and doing some other work in that, in that way. But right now I'm kind of just assessing what the needs are. So I'm so glad to be here. Jody, thank you. So, I mean, just a wealth of knowledge, like coming from, you know, I'm a mom of four, you and I connected on Instagram um, and I have a neurodiverse kiddo and we are managing a lot of new things in our household, a lot of behavioral things and trying to really work through like emotional regulation and how do we assess the support that our kids need that's maybe a little outside the box And so I'm so grateful that you're here to share your expertise. And I'm so grateful that we've connected because me firsthand will undoubtedly benefit from everything you have to share and say, but I have no doubt that this will serve and add value to the many moms and women that are no, are going to listen to this because again, it's just this idea of having more of these connections and communication around how do we just support kids where they're at, no matter what it is that they're managing. Yes. Um, And I think, you know, the reality is in this day and age, like we just see more things that kids are managing from a mental health standpoint, you know, Mm -hmm. all of the things that you mentioned behaviorally and things like anxiety, autism, all of those things, they're all related to mental and emotional well-being, which is something I'm super passionate about. And again, I'm just so grateful you're here. So, (laughs) so grateful you're here. Um, Yes. So Jody, I'd love to kind of dive in. So today, guys, on the podcast here during this interview, we're going to talk a little bit specifically about how behavior really is a form of communication. And I think for me as a mom, that's something I'm not only working through with my kids, trying to figure out like, what does this behavior mean? What do they need? What more, what additional support are they looking for? But also managing that in my own day to day as a mom and as a woman, right? Like figuring out, okay, my personal behavior, you know, whether that's elevated anger in some way or feeling really sad for some reason, you know, I have to continually unpack that and work through that too in my own mental and emotional journey as a woman and as a mom. So I love that this topic is kind of, you know, for kids, but also for parents and moms and dads and people that are managing their own internal, you know, struggle, if you will, um, while also helping their kids kind of learn and manage their internal things that they're dealing with. Um, so I'd love to kind of dive into that specifically, Jody. talk a little bit about how you started to kind of learn more about this topic, whether that was personally or professionally, and why you feel so passionate about really communicating this idea of how behavior means that there's a need or there's a support. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. Before I had my four kids, I was teaching kindergarten. And I think that what I, when this first landed with me, it it really was a personal feeling that I felt there was an incongruence with what I felt was a natural kind of understanding or approach with the kids that were struggling. I remember a little boy distinctly in when I was teaching kindergarten And you could just, if you just looked at him, you could see how distraught he was and he was crawling under the tables and he was just acting out in pretty extreme ways for, in comparison to the rest of the class who was sitting and ready to be attentive for circle time or whatever. Right. Right. And 
I remember that a teacher came in and said, you need to get a handle on this right away. You need to make sure that the kids know that you are the boss, you know, and here I was right out of college, my first year, you know, as a teacher and, and I got that feedback so much where people were saying, you really need to get a handle on your kids. They need to be able to line up. You need to make sure the expectations are super clear. And if they're not, then they have to get their name on the board and they can't go out or whatever. And I just, I had a really emotional response to that. It did not feel right to me. It did not, you know, I almost had to question, like, can I actually do this job? Can I be a teacher if I have to comply with this way of approach, you know, approaching kids and their behaviors and the whole idea of classroom management? And so what I found when people weren't in my classroom and I could close the door that if I actually just got down on the kids level and tried to connect with them and tried to observe and understand what was going on for them, I could get much better results as opposed to any type of disciplinary training that, you know, and this was 20 years ago. So we've come a long way in schools. I will say that, but it still was that traditional behaviorist theory, right? That if kids are behaving in a certain way, we as adults need to teach them how to comply, right? Teach them. And we would do that by either negative reinforcement or positive reinforcement. And so it was just always a matter of having kids comply with adult expectations. And I just, that was my first introduction to it, but I just always kind of went with this other approach that there must be something going on for them And I just had more of a curiosity about kids and their behaviors. And I had an approach that was not the traditional, but it was more about actually just trying to find out what they need and then meeting their needs. And, and that was effective for me in the classroom. And then, like I said, as, as the world would have it, I had kids who also had, you know, a developmental profile with first with our son you know, the pediatrician said that we were quote unquote behind in the sense, you know, with the milestones that you go when you, whether it's walking, crawling, talking, you know, those things. And I just always felt again, I kind of felt like, okay, like as a mom, of course, you're, you get very protective and you go research everything you can and all of that. But I also still had to listen to myself and think, I kept thinking he's okay. Like you don't, you know, he's just not on the same timeline maybe as several other kids, but I felt like he was making progress and we could focus on his strengths. And you know, when they, they told us when they did the initial assessments of our son, they said, you know, he might not, he might not ever um, be able to get a job or live on his own. And this was when he was five. And I just remember being outraged that they could make this determination at that point. I was, you know, my husband was crying and I was like, no, this is not happening. You guys don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) And so, um, so I think I've, that's another thing about not just behavior, but just thinking about neurodiversity in general, I feel like we have always had this deficit kind of mindset that you know, we're looking for what is wrong or what is delayed or what the problem is, as opposed to looking at what is normal about this, right? And that really goes to a lot of the ways that I approach behavior too. It's like when kids are acting out, 
like we all don't act our best when we're super tired. There's so many factors that can come into play with behavior, right? right? So if we're tired or, you know, there's developmental differences like with my son. And so just thinking about like, what are all of the different possibilities of the causes for the child to be acting in a certain way? And while, like you said, it could be a need that they have, there's also so many other things going on at any given time. The brain is so complex, right? right. Yes. So, yeah. So that's kind of, um, I hope that answered what you were asking, but yeah, that's, that's what I saw in the classroom. And then also with my own kids. Yeah. I mean, and such a variety of needs and, and approaches. And I think it's, it's just really powerful to hear how you have really worked to adapt to figure out how can I meet each of my own personal kids and also the kids in your classroom where they're at. Um, so I'd love your perspective, Jody, for a mom like me, you know, the moms that are listening, if they have a kiddo in their specific family or household, or, or even in their network, whether it's a friend's kiddo, yeah. something like that, what would be your best advice for me or for a mom? Um, when it comes to kind of advocating for your kid, advocating for, you know, how they may learn differently, how they may have different kinds of needs, how their support may be unique. And how do you kind of advocate for that? How do you navigate that from a mental and emotional standpoint specifically? Yes. Yeah. I'm glad you're bringing that up. Um, one thing I will, I will say just as a little bit more background information, because I think that one of the ways we can advocate best is when we really understand a, a concept or a, an issue at, at a deep level. And so I think that one of the first things we can do before we try to advocate for the way our kids might have neurodiversity or behavior differences or anything like that is that to understand the brain and its primary goal, which <laughs> is really safety, it's just mm -hmm. constantly scanning for safety. And so when, if you think about kids that are communicating, whether it's a need, if it's hunger or sleep or connection or just being uncomfortable, you know, how we all have been in that place where you're just uncomfortable. Sometimes kids are acting out just because they feel like crap and they just right. are trying to feel better. Right. And so normalizing that and recognizing that the brain is always seeking safety. That I think is a foundational concept to, because I think we approach kids or even adults, or like you were saying for ourselves as well, you approach, when you think someone doesn't feel safe, you approach it so much differently, right? You approach it from empathy and right. concern, like you're safe, like it's okay. And so just, I think that's a foundational thing before we even go into kind of advocating for it, right. just really understanding that that's kind of the baseline of what's ever, I always just try to create safety. Number one, it's just right. an emotional safety baseline that we're, that we're aiming for. But then beyond that, I think, um, I think that we can give people grace before, before people are ready to hear new information, we have those beliefs that are kind of already those biases and beliefs that are already in there from whether we were raised in homes where it was traditional discipline kind of things, mm -hmm. or we went through a school system where it was traditional, or 
even what you read in parenting blogs, you'll still hear a lot of more traditional kinds of approaches. There's so much out there about how to be a good mom, right? And so people are going to have all this information already and far more than we ever had access to before also. So it's very confusing and the brain's going to try to find and seek patterns. So even the adults that we want to advocate and share new information with, we kind of have to give grace to them before we even try to share something new. (laughs) And so that would be my, the first two things. And then from there, I always just like to kind of model what I want people to be open to learning. Because I think when they can see, if you see a child having a full-blown meltdown in Costco or whatever, and you see, even if you're modeling with your own kid, or if you're modeling compassion for the mom who's trying to deal with it, you know, by modeling it and you see a different approach or you see a better result from that approach, I think that's the best advocacy there is, Yeah, you know, just by modeling it. And then, and then if you do have an opportunity to have a conversation, I would go, I would always cite what the brain, the, the, the science around the brain. And I would even say it that way. Like there's so much new information about how the brain and mental health affects the way kids are trying to self-regulate, you know, and like, even if just a simple sentence like that, and just be like, it's so crazy. I'm learning so much about it myself. Right. And I think people are open to hearing like, oh, that's different than what I've heard before. Right. And that opens the door to it because honestly, we are not as humans, <laughs> we're just not very receptive to being told we're doing it wrong. Right. We're just going to automatically get defensive. Right. And so it's just helpful to, to kind of open the door to these new ideas and, and share them in a way and model them. Right. That would be, Yeah. I love that. I think modeling and you speaking about grace is huge. Um, You know, my own journey and even with friends and moms and other people that I've spoken to that have just some added needs in their households and with their kids, it's just really, truly about giving yourself and your kids grace for the process of learning through it Um, and, and knowing that like getting it right or perfect is not even a realistic expectation. Like it's just going to be something that you have to kind of fail forward with every day Yeah, and be willing to kind of dissect it. Like you said, learn more about the science, learn more about why internally it's actually coming out the way it is in a behavior or a choice or whatever, and then giving grace for the learning process of it. So I love that feedback, Jody. So, so good. Yeah. So, so good. Yeah. And I will ask also, or add, I guess, also that, as you mentioned, I think we, we tend to see ourselves in a role that there's almost a, you know, there's a power dynamic that's just naturally established between adults and kids. And so we have the parenting role and the younger child. And so I think sometimes we get confused and we, we feel like we have this really huge responsibility to like make sure that all these interactions that we have, that we are, as the kids are learning and we're teaching them how we're responding to their behavior, we put such high stakes on every interaction that we have with them. And that would be another area that I would say, 
don't do that to yourself. Seriously. Because we've heard, and I know you've probably heard this too. We've heard like, you know, if they're throwing a fit in the grocery store and you give into them, then they're always going to, you know, it's almost like you've locked it into and cemented it in that, that will always do that. You know, that they'll always remember that. And then you, and that is absolutely not even true. It's honestly, when kids are at a high level of escalation and they're at the top of that cycle, they're they're not even accessing the part of their brain that has memory. So they're not actually going to remember that and repeat that. That behavior might get repeated for a different reason altogether, but it's not because they're like, oh, I did that last time with mom. Now I remember I'm going to always do this. That is not happening. (laughs) So there's a lot of information out there that, that we've been taught or told that is actually not even true. And so this giving grace piece and also just along those lines of like not thinking that everything is such a high stakes yes. situation. It really isn't. The kids are, they're so adaptive. And I mean, I can speak from experience with my own kids with the chaos that we would have with four kids, like two years apart mm-hmm. with very different needs and lots of challenges. And you would think, oh my gosh, they probably have you know, they, they probably have trauma that they're still dealing with now in some ways. Yes. Because what we're learning about trauma, that there is the small T and the big T trauma. So there, there are some aspects of that, that they are working through, but it isn't from the point of, oh my gosh, I ruined them. I ruined their life. They're, you know, no, they're having a human experience Yep. and Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And we all are, if we talk openly about it and we learn about it, and we don't make it pathological, but we actually just normalize a lot of this. That is, I think, a better approach that's healthier for us and for them. Yeah, I love that, Jody. We that's the name of the game in our house all the time is like just normalizing the human experience yeah. and saying all the time, like my husband and I work on this all the time, like apologizing and telling our kids straight up, like, we are not perfect. We don't have all the answers. The way we behave and the things we say are not always, you know, the best first choice. Um, sure. And it's something that we, we're all like learning together, feeling forward together. And I think there's a lot of value in, in trying to really parent that way and make the choice to learn that way, because it's, again, it's, it's a, it's, it's an all around behavioral learning experience from a parenting standpoint and from a kiddo standpoint. So I super appreciate that, Jody. Um, I'd love for you to talk really quickly, maybe about a specific either story or experience where you remember a behavior that you exhibited as a mom, where you were trying to communicate something and maybe it like, again, wasn't the best first choice or you weren't really sure how to communicate it well. So it came out in a behavior. Like I'd love to just kind of unpack that a little bit because I think it's really valuable for moms to hear in a conversation like this. Wow. This was my behavior. And this is what I was actually trying to communicate once I stepped out of it. Yeah. And here's how I learned. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to tell you a story that (laughs) it's, um, it's one of those where we go, okay, that was, that was a bad mom moment, (laughs) you know, like not like I always, I always, um, say, you know, 
we define our moments of, you know, whether we're a good mom or not, but no, this was, this was a moment. And, but it's great that you're asking me to share this because I think it does illustrate. So it was Christmas and it was not that many years ago. I want to say three, it wasn't during the pandemic, but, um, you know, we put a lot of pressure and we have a lot of societal pressure on Mm -hmm. Christmas or holidays, whatever holiday you celebrate. And it was one of those, um, times where I had very high expectations about the way I wanted everything to go. I had Mm -hmm. great intentions, right? I wanted this to be special. It was Christmas. So I had quite a list of things that I thought needed to be at my expectations. Like the house needed to be clean. People needed to be getting along. We all should, you know, be looking halfway nice so we could have a picture, whatever, you know? Right. And, um, and so, and my kids were older at this point. So I also had expectations of you're old enough to be helpful. And so I had a family who was not helpful at all. I personally also had a health condition of my own going on at the time. So I was not physically well myself. Right. right? But I was, I'm going to be vulnerable here for a minute, but I stood at the top of the stairs with my family at the bottom of this, you know, in the living room. And I said, Merry effing Christmas, but I said the real thing. And I mean, come on, who does that to their family? Like I'm screaming, just like at my, you know what I mean? Like just that breaking point down where I, you know, I lost it. I was out of, and this is where I think when kids act out or adults or whenever we reach that point, when you think about what happens when you get to a point of like being out of control in a lot of ways, you are really out of your mind in that sense, right? You're not accessing the part of your brain. You are just acting out of emotion. And so what I was really communicating was this is a special day. And I have a lot of resentment right now because I have done everything possible to make this nice for you guys. And nobody cares. Nobody's helping me. Nobody's doing anything. Yeah. I mean, I was having my little pity party all about, you know, the resentment, all it was all kinds of things. But what I was thinking was escalating me internally because of the thought I was thinking was my family doesn't care. I'm the only one who cares. It's Christmas. So I was getting this internal escalation going. Mm-hmm. And I, and I got into my, what we call, you know, our lower brain versus our higher brain. And you're just, nothing good comes from there. That's, right. you know, that was my own trauma response or safety response or whatever to say that I was feeling that separation from my family. Right. And it was all about me. Like it really was. And so, um, yeah, I'm glad you asked that question because I think that when we don't, we don't have a good self-awareness about what our thoughts are that are creating or triggering some old past trauma for us. And we don't unpack that before Mm -hmm. we're, we just kind of like let that train take over and, and it is not pretty when it happens. So, yeah. And that wasn't that long ago, like I said, so it's a learning, it's a learning journey that, that we are all on yeah, for yeah, sure. Like I, <laughs> even if you're, oh my God. Oh my. Yeah. Even, you know, 
I so appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing because I 100% can guarantee that every single mom can relate to that. Like we have these things that we drum up in our heads. We have these expectations. We either lay on ourselves or that are created by society. And then when it doesn't match up, it can become this internal dialogue of all the things that we're doing wrong or that nobody else pays attention or cares. And it spirals into a behavior. And I know that it does, like it absolutely does in my own life. And I know it does in other moms' lives. And I think it's just this self-awareness, like the only way we can really work through it and get to the other side of learning how to essentially, you know, adjust the expectations, like really decipher what's real versus what's not real is through talking through it. Right. It's like really being willing to say, wow, okay, this is what actually happened that probably wasn't the best. Here's what I really wanted to do and say, what, what can I do to grow and learn? Yeah. Um, and it's literally the same exact stuff that we're doing with our kids day in and day out as parents. It is. Um, so I just, I love that you vulnerably shared that story. Cause I can absolutely relate to that, especially holidays, everything's escalated. Um, yeah. and you want this like picture perfect thing and it never goes to plan. Like it never goes to plan. Um, I know. And so it's just, it's just encouraging, right? Like the whole idea of sharing stuff like this and talking through topics like this is to just empower and encourage moms to know like the mental and emotional component to parenthood, motherhood, being a woman is very real. And there is this internal thing that we all manage because it's part of the human experience, as you said. And the more we have these vulnerable conversations, the more self-aware we can get and the more we can just grow, learn, evolve, et cetera. Yes. Um, so I love that story, Jody. So I can totally relate. Yeah. Totally relate to that. Yes. Totally relate. Um, so I'd love to quickly, before we kind of sign off here, I'd love to quickly talk or have you talk about your coaching services and your podcast and, you know, how you work with moms, you know, how moms could potentially work with you if that's something that they're interested in exploring and share a little bit about how people can find you and connect with you online. Sure. Yes. Well, my coaching right now is one-on-one coaching. And what I, my, the clients that I help the most probably are the ones who have kids that are acting out with what you would call challenging behavior. And so I'm helping because the ultimate goal, really, I think any mom who feels like they just don't know what to do with this, this kind of behavior where they're trying things and it just seems to not get any better. Mm-hmm. And that is so taxing on us as a mom, because we already are stressed if we have our kids going through typical things. And then you have that added thing. And then you have the added judgment that comes with it. Like we touched on at the beginning. And so it's, it's just so complex. And so what I really help with moms with who have kids with challenges is just kind of separating out what separating out what really is important to focus on and what we can totally let go. And that just helps initially right out of the gate. And then from there, I can offer like analysis of what the is the behavior is communicating and responses that feel better for everyone, the child and the mom and the family and just all of that. So, so that's the kind of coaching I do for really for all ages. I have um, kids that I have moms with kids that are school age, as well as like young adults. So, so that's what my coaching is. And then I have my podcast, as I shared, is just a quick weekly, 
it's either an anecdotal story or some specific strategy around setting boundaries, for example, or, you know, those kinds of things. And it's, there's really a wide range of topics on the podcast. So that comes out weekly and I can be found on Instagram or Facebook or my website at good mom coach. So it's just good mom coach altogether. And that's, that's where I'm at. I love that Jody. Jody, thank you so much for your time. Um, like I said in the beginning, I knew this was going to be an incredibly valuable conversation and it totally has been. I am just so incredibly, glad. incredibly grateful for your knowledge, your perspective, your encouragement, right? Like your encouragement, yeah. um, you know, my goal here at the mom life mindset and the podcast that I've created here is to just empower moms through the mental and emotional component to wellness and to their overall parenting and motherhood journey. I think that the more we can chat, the more we can really talk through um, the things that we manage, um, yes. just the better off we're all going to be, right? Yes. Um, so thank for you sure. again for your time, my friend. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. See you in the next one. Take care.